Welcome to the Wisdom Club podcast, where we talk to inspirational business leaders in our community that inspire us to lead a life full of wisdom and build a business as worthy of our wildest dreams. I'm your host, Leo Chen. I'm a tech entrepreneur, real estate advisor, and investor located right here in sunny coastal Orange County, California. And the goal of this podcast is to expand your mind and share what's possible. Good morning, Erica. How are you? Doing fantastic. I love your bright, eclectic background. Yes, I am. I'm changing from only gray to color, my friend. I love color. <laughs> As you can see from my background, we was trying yes. to get more color into our scenes. So it makes the world brighter. Thank you for being here. And those of you who are tuning in, I am excited to have an amazing conversation with Erica Kelly. Her and I have been friends. Gosh, it's been about a year plus in the, even in the thick of the pandemic, we were also in part of some masterminds and networking groups together. I love Erica. Her integrity is second to none and her skills as a communicator, as a writer, as, as a person of wanting to help people and bring them wisdom and also bring them clarity to their business is just amazing, especially with the personality aspects. I would lean on her for anything personality. We all don't know enough about our own personality. Don't you agree? Agree. And the more we know about each other and about ourselves, the better we can become. Yeah. I have a good friend that says the confused mind is stalled. And when we think about ourselves, that's more often than not, we unconsciously stall, our, stall ourselves and don't, we don't realize it. You provide a extremely great service as a, what would you specifically call your business as a business coach? Yeah. Yes. Most of the coaching that I do is executive level, but I'm definitely a business coach. Okay. So for those of you who are tuning in, I love for you to tell us about your background for those people that don't know, have never met you before and, and don't know your context of your background and your upbringing and how you got to where you are today. First, Leo, thank you so much for giving me this platform to share a little bit of my journey with you and your audience as well. Thank you so I, much. Yes. If I can walk my story backwards a little bit, mean that I am presently a, a business owner, I'm a coach, but I have my history and career in business is linked to the military. I served in and out of active duty and reserve time. I served 32 and a half years in the American Air Force. And because of that active duty and reserve time, I was able to navigate a second career in law enforcement where I was able to retire after 27 years of being a criminal investigator for the Department of Justice and also worked for the Department of Homeland when Homeland was created. So that's, that is the here and now, but my background is that I'm an immigrant from Central America, more specifically Guatemala. Grew up in extreme poverty. And it's funny that you and I are in the same room, Leo, and I can remember eating ants and dirt oh to survive. If you can maybe picture, maybe your audience can picture muddy road, dirty water, just 
little kids not knowing that was me not knowing and in uh, surviving and sometimes people ask me what people ask me what i uh, i did for sports growing up and i'm like oh, no sports for me it was all survival and trying to just find the basics and the basics at the time was food and shelter i have so many visuals and things going on in my mind as you talk about that so many people out there have immigrant stories and so much of the world is like that you just want to have a shelter a roof over your head and food on the table and if you got to have cooked meals or something like that it was a luxury for a lot of people around the world and we just were just so sheltered from that so until someone like you come on and paint a picture for us we so many people here really just don't know and me also being an immigrant we free we can sometimes forget where we come from, right? Because we get so used to our current rich environment and rich opportunities that we have. And so what I'm super curious about from that environment, how did you ended up migrating to the U.S.? And also more importantly, how you became an officer in the Homeland Security and, and military and all the kind of stuff, because it, it seems like, how do we connect that dot where you're in this environment this is completely removed from anything that was over here? And what made you make those choices to get there? Because, and the reason I ask is because I understand there is a structure that, that you have grown from that experience, which made you the person you are. And that's you know what I want everybody to hear and know, including myself. It's interesting that you say connecting the dots. And again, sometimes we go through life and we just go through life. Sometimes we plan, but not until we we stop and we look back and look back a little bit more. Do we not see those dots of connecting? And possibly if we get to a level of awareness, we realize oh my goodness, that's why that happened. That specific thing needed to happen in order for me to do this right now. So connecting the dots for my life, let me just give you some dots and then see how we are putting the picture together. But I was abandoned as a five-year-old with my two brothers in a small decrepit little shack in a, where we lived, right? In the middle of nowhere. I was abandoned by my own mother and left behind. I don't want to say to die, but we could have died. We were in that room for seven days before a, a family member, my grandma, rescued us. And from that point on, if you can think of what, I don't want to say damage, but maybe damage in my head, in my brain of my own identity as a child. Why would, a, why would I be abandoned? What value do I have? Do I have any value? And I think that's important as I share my dots with you for people to understand that was my starting point. My starting point was me as a child doubting my identity, doubting my place on this earth. And from that point, being rescued, living with my grandmother for a few years, she became my mother. She became that mother figure that I didn't have. But an earthquake in Central America, mainly Guatemala, made the news by the time I was, I think I was maybe 12, made the news in the United States. It was big enough that it made the news. My mother who was living in the United States, the one that left me, sees it, makes a decision to go back to Guatemala to see how her mother's doing and how we are doing. And because of that 
connecting point, Leo, is how she decided that she was going to bring myself and my two brothers to the United States. And that journey, connecting point, maybe. We walked, Leo. We walked from Guatemala all the way to the United States. And once in the United States, and throughout the journey, I was with a strange woman. So again, I am dealing with who am I? What's my value? And now there's this person taking me away from the only home I know. So anger also entered my life. So I just want you to know that those connecting points that we're talking about are not all pretty. They're not. I struggled. I struggled with my worth. I struggled with my anger. And I saw myself in a strange country with electricity and indoor plumbing. And that was news that existed. So when I say that I came to the United States as a primitive child, I was very primitive and that's okay. That's okay. But I quickly learned in this, in this amazing, beautiful country that I needed to assimilate to, to find some sort of success, success for my life and success to the people that I care for. English or the language was one of the main things that I knew in my heart I needed to learn. And the second thing was education. If I educated myself and I assimilated to this culture, it was going to then bring me the success that at the time I was looking for. And the way that I found that success, Leo, another another point in my career was I saw the military, I saw the Air Force as the first big body, big entity to give little me an opportunity, a chance. And that's all I was asking for, a chance and an opportunity to showcase that I did have value, that I counted my presence in this world counted for something. So the military was the my first yes, my first big yes in life. And then when I became a special agent, then that created different doors of confidence, different doors of understanding how as a woman navigating two very male-dominated, not bad, reality, two male-dominated worlds can make things happen, which is pretty, pretty incredible. I was in the Air Force. I became kind of cool. I'm not bragging, but it's pretty awesome, right? Because I just, Leo, remember that little kid, right? Eating ants and dirt. And for the military, people that make it to the rank in the Air Force, people that make it to the rank of chief, become 1% of that enlisted amazing force. And because I became a command chief, I was 1% of the 1%. So am I saying it to brag? I'm just saying it to showcase the incredible journey. It is just, if you, again, if you put all the dots together, how awesome is that? And now for me to be a business owner and to use my background as an immigrant, my background as a law enforcement officer, and my background as a chief in the Air Force, I think it's cool. Yeah. And I think I'm so amazed of how those dots connected for you because it really makes sense. It makes sense because you you were describing your journey to the US where you had to walk and stuff like that, where you didn't want to leave your place new. You knew that 
you it was secure, but you had to go and you didn't like it. And but because of your of your strong character and, and then also your strong uh, sense of belonging, you wanted to stay where you thought you belonged in the place that you knew as a kid in the security when somebody plucked you out of there and made you go and you didn't like it. You knew that was the case. And then here being in the States, the same thing. You found a place in the in the military where it was a place that where they gave you a rank, they gave you an identity that you can belong mm -hmm. to. And now fast forward, like this whole big sense of belonging and character and stability in who you are, like it all makes sense. Yeah. So that's as I was listening to you, what came to me about that. You and I have very different sense of military from our upbringing, almost completely opposite. And I don't know if I shared with you this before, but one of the reasons I came to the U.S. and then again, my mom was also in the U.S. first. And then she brought me and my brother here over to Southern California. We've been in Southern California ever since. And I was 11 when I came. And the, one of the reasons is that when I came from Taiwan as a country has to defend itself from invasion from China. So there's a very strong military presence where young kids are, are, are mandatory to be in the military. I think 13 was the cutoff. By the time you were 13 year old, you had to go serve in the military for, I think you had to be there for two years and every boy had to do that. Okay. And my mom didn't want me to do that. And she wanted me to have a good life and not be be subject to war and military or possibly whatever possibly could happen. And so she brought brought me over early to avoid that. So both my brother and I avoided the military to do that. Not that we didn't want to serve. We just didn't, we just were not, we just had this view of war and conflict and stuff like that, that we didn't want to be part of. But of course, also to have a better opportunity here in the U.S., which my mom absolutely saw. And so my view of the military growing up was like, hey, it's conflict, it's war, people, guns and these dangerous things. And so we didn't want to be involved in that as of what our thoughts were, where you had a different experience, a completely different experience. Like I belong, we're serving, we're helping the country. I have a place where I have brothers and sisters around me that are working alongside me. They're going to help me and support me. That's just uh, such a different side of things. Absolutely. Leo, in Central America, the military is looked at a different way as well. I remember being a child and looking at soldiers almost on every corner. And they had this weird authority, at least from the perspective of me as a child, of no questions asked. You did what you did, what you were told were indifferent. They were in total control of any situation. And I remember as a child being fearful of that and seeing a soldier and just drawing back. Because I knew, I didn't see them as a safety net. I saw them as something that was going to cause me harm in a way or another. But being in the United States and asking, literally asking, where are the soldiers? Because there's no soldiers on every corner. They, and I don't even remember Julio, but it could have been my stepdad that explained to me that the military in the United States serves and defends. And it's not linked forcing the citizens to do something mandated by a specific politician or government body. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I'm like, 
What? And remember, I was trying to prove to the world that I had value. So now I'm thinking about it before I wasn't, or at the time I wasn't, but now I'm thinking about it and I'm thinking maybe that was the driving force for the American military, because if I'm certain and I'm defending this nation, I am going to prove to the world that I have value. If I deploy, right, and I'm wearing the uniform, yes, it was reinforcing subconsciously everything that I was looking for. And you mentioned also brothers and sisters. My goodness, Leo, my, my childhood, my family dynamics have been so fragmented throughout my life that you're right. You're 100% right. The military gave me the brothers and sisters, the comfort, the guidance, the mentorship that I was hungry for. Yeah, I interviewed one of our good friends who's been in the SEAL team and had served in the Navy. And and I just see his strong character and strong presence and a little bit of tough love, which Mm -hmm. is also good and also brings out a lot of the masculine energy and a stable presence, you know, about him. And having not been in the military myself, I like that. I liked some of that influence. So what was it like serving for you? What was your experience at the time? Did you feel like you belonged right away? And then what was the work like? Was it, it seems like you had thrived in the environment. And so what are some of the things that you did that that allow you to thrive? Yeah, you're right. I loved it from second one. <laughs> I loved it. It just fed something that I needed. So my, my 32 years in the Air Force obviously were not the same. At the beginning, I was new and learning. I had amazing, incredible mentors, tough love, no kidding, tough love in the military. But I already brought to the military a a sense of resiliency, a sense of, I made it in, I don't care, not in a negative way, don't care, but I don't care what happens. I will continue to get up. I will continue to be the best version of myself as an airman that I can be. So at the beginning of my career, again, being, I don't want to say being, but I think I was putting a career, connecting the dots. I was putting a career that I was going to succeed in. So I was a medic. I was a a ground medic in the Air Force for my first years. I loved it because I was learning. I was taking care of people, but I was also being taken care of. I had incredible leadership that mentored me to gain rank, mentored me to get confidence, mentored me to find my value. And that morphed then, Leo, into me becoming airbag, still in the medical field, but now operational. Now I am part of a crew of five, two nurses, three medics that are transporting patients from one part of the world to another part of the world. And that allowed me to do incredible missions throughout the Middle East, in Africa, and also allowed me to understand humanity, the worst of humanity, the best of humanity, and continue to get rank, and continue to get experience, and continue to be exposed to different perspectives of people. So at one point in time in my career, I am already a E9, a chief in the Air Force, in the operational medical side of AirVac. And then I thought, why not do more? I already got the highest rank. 
I already am part of the 1%, but I thought, I wonder what the possibilities are. And Leo, I put in my hat, I put my name in the hat to become an executive leader. I was an executive leader in my community, but I put my name in the hat to be an executive leader for the whole Air Force, for all career fields in the military. And lo and behold, I go through the process and they say yes. And I become a command chief where I am the advisor to an incredible leader, one-star general. And we have the amazing responsibility and obligation to take care of, I want to say maybe 3,500 people. And from there, I go to another installation, work for other amazing leaders, active duty and reserve. And then that journey just takes me all the way to headquarters, Air Force Reserve Command, and also to the Pentagon, where now I'm serving a three-star general, and we have the incredible, amazing, how can I say it, the gift to, to be responsible to help and guide 74,000 plus people. I'm just astounded of how you continue to open up your horizon, continue mm -hmm. to move up. But what struck me was that the, your military, when you were in part, sorry if I don't have the correct uh, term, but you're a evacuation personnel, like a doctor or a nurse, and you're helping people transfer one area to another if they're injured, if they're active duty or doing things. And so you got to see different parts of the world and probably also saw a lot of people in pain and hurting, or they have lost their parts of their body or use their body or something like that, or being in some sort of traumatic situation and have a tremendous amount of pain. Instead of saying, I don't know that I want to be exposed to this all the time, you said, okay, can I do more? Is that kind of like how you continue to move forward? That's my thinking. I think that at my core, knowing being a consultant for personalities, at my core, I am a planner. So I get to a point of being the student and now, oh my gosh, I can do it. And now I am teaching how to do it to somebody else. And then I get to a point of, I don't want to say mastery, but a point of comfort. And because I get to a point of comfort, then my brain, and I'm telling you, everything inside me starts moving. And then it says, okay, comfort, look for something else. And literally, I have been able to do that my whole life in which I could have stopped at any point, Leo, and said, this is good enough. I could have, and it would have been successful and it would have been incredible. I just kept saying, what else? And I'm doing that now. I'm, I could stop. I'm a, I'm retired from the government twice. And now I'm a business owner. I'm a solopreneur saying to me and my clients, what else? Yeah. And letting that silence sit there. What else? And allowed that mind, those ideas to come in and for just dreams and goals to come out. I'm reading a book recently. It's called Coming Alive. And it talked about something that I personally never thought of. I don't know why I haven't thought of, but we have two things that propel us and give us energy to do things. One, you can gain more energy by physically taking yourself, taking care of yourself, nourishing yourself, clear your mind. You can mm -hmm. physically do, do exercise to give you energy and that kind of thing. But there's a flip side of things that I don't think people talk about enough is a spiritual energy. You get energy from your spirits, from your own spirit.
spirit, whether it's your positive outlook, your positive thoughts, or your forward-moving momentum that 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 gives you all of this energy. So we see people all the time. Some people seem to not have enough energy or tired. They're taking care of their kids and things like that, and it's a physically draining their energy, but their spiritual energy is also not supporting it, possibly, right? Mm-hmm. And so. It's between the two, and I personally have always leaned on my physical energy to carry me through. But now more and more, I'm thinking about like, oh, what else can I do that's going to cause me to get more energy from a spiritual aspect of it Yes, that will fuel my physical energy that I need in order to do more, be more, to help more people, to support more people. And so you talked about that, that there was a spiritual strength, spirit energy that was pushing you from from one position to another and thinking about more things that you would like to do and be to help more people. Absolutely, Leo. Again, is the I, I'm not saying it was easy. I'm saying that every obstacle made me stronger. I'm saying that anger that I carried as a child was that in it, it, you can't, it's not sustainable to stay angry. But yeah. I'm here to share with you that initial anger was the initial fuel that I needed to just push me forward, find my place, breathe, and keep pushing forward to not just getting, right, Erica getting things, but getting to a point in which I was celebrating someone else's success. I was walking, holding hands with my peers and something very critical. You and I are talking right now about what's inside of us, right? That spirit. Yes. But guess what else I needed? I needed some either ahead of me or behind me to say, you got this, Erica. And that's the magic that I found those people in my life, either a few steps ahead of me that would look back and go, you got it. I'm creating a path for you. And I also found people behind me celebrating my success and pushing me, not hard, but pushing me saying, you got this. So it's a combination of what's inside of us, not letting our dream die inside of us and allowing the people allowing the environment that's feeding us goodness to feed us goodness. Sometimes, oh, no, thank you. I got it. And we end up isolating ourselves to a point where you don't got it. Everything happens for a reason, Leo. And for me, I am just, again, just talking with you right now. I'm looking back at all these beautiful faces of people that help me be able to share with with you and your audience this amazing journey yeah and i just feel the so much energy from the support and i always talk to so many of my clients regarding this concept of gps right everybody knows when they come to me like they want to buy a home they want to invest in the home Mm -hmm. they they know their goal which is the g right and then they don't always have a plan some people have a plan we're like okay i'm gonna go look for it that's my plan my plan is Mm -hmm. to go look on this website look on that website i want to go see how much things cost and maybe i'll do a little research so they have some sort of plan most of them are not fully picked out because they maybe have never done it or don't do it every day it's not their profession so that's the p for plan but then the last part the s is what everybody misses out on 
okay, that's where the biggest failures happen for everybody is the support. Yes. yes. Because I, I don't know about people out there and you, you have obviously a different journey, but what I grew up in our culture was do it yourself, put your head down, don't look around and just do your thing, be on your own and don't ask for help. Don't ask for support. You do it, that kind of thing. And it causes you to isolate, just like you said, isolate yourself. And then so we fall short of the GPS. Mm -hmm. We fall short on that last part, which is very critical, right? Imagine you, you accomplished something so great, but you had nobody to cheer with you, congratulate you and celebrate your success and just love you up for having accomplished and then done something that you wanted to do. It's almost defeats itself. It almost, what did I do that, all that for? It's good. Like as opposed to this big support system, they lift you out, recognize you. And another quote is we get what we celebrate. So the more support you have to help you celebrate, the more of it you get. Yeah. 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 Or there's another quote that says uh, you get who you are, Yeah, which yeah. is if you're not celebrating um, whatever, whatever is inside of you, that's exactly what's what you're going to get back if you're not careful. So, so many good things to just support that same idea mm -hmm. that you talked about and what propelled you. And I think it would really help people out there to hear, hey, this, I'm not going to isolate myself and just do everything myself. And something good happens, share it celebrate it with your friends and because if your friends don't know your family don't know how are they going to celebrate it share your journey share share some of the struggles and share the successes as well but help get lifted up from the struggles and celebrate the successes and then it will have this momentum of the spiritual energy that we talked about agree 100% agree so now how did you go from so you've been You've been doing all of this coaching and being in position of mentoring and helping people in the military. What, when did that happen to go from working for the government to being working businesses and for lack of better words, civilians, right? Yeah, civilians. My goodness, who are those people? <laughs> no, Leo, again, I'm a planner. So I looked at my two careers, Air Force and law enforcement, and I realized that, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the term higher tenure. That means that's you're going to go as far as you can, and that's it, right? One specific date is going to come, and after that date, thank you so much. We love you. Goodbye. And I wanted to be prepared for that date. So maybe two, three years before I retired from the Air Force and maybe four years before I retired from Homeland, I, I decided that, what is it? What is it that I want to do when I grow up? And people are my thing. Sharing, storytelling is my thing. Showcasing to people the possibilities and the potential that all of us have is my thing. So I thought, let's see what I can do while still serving in two different jobs. But I got certified under John C. Maxwell. I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Maxwell, but I got certified with him first as a professional speaker, as a coach, and also as a trainer when it comes to leadership and communication and influence. And that was my starting block to still being in uniform, still having a badge, but now I'm practicing my craft. Now I'm I'm using everything that I have learned in a completely different arena and I'm loving it. When I retired from the Air Force in 2019 is when I started my coaching business. 
And I haven't looked back since then. Wow, what a time to make a switch because here you are. Hello, pandemic. Hello, <laughs> pandemic is right. <laughs> How was that for you being a new business and coming from a field that you've been in such a long time and yeah. then coming into more civilian life, if you will, and, and then this thing called the pandemic, which has never happened before, all stared up in the face. What was that like in 2020? My business started out as all in part. I, because of the name recognition that I had with the military, I really built a really nice calendar of either teaching, training, or doing keynotes all in person. And I'm thinking to myself as a new business owner, this is great. I love being an entrepreneur and COVID hits. And then the events got postponed, remember, postponed for two weeks. Remember yeah. that two weeks. Right. Yep. Uh -huh. And then postponed for six months, canceled. And then I quickly realized that if I was going to be an entrepreneur, if I was going to be resilient, if I was going to follow the formula that I've been preaching for so many years to my military member and my peers is... I needed to reinvent myself. So I turned everything around to become virtual. And I'm still learning. I'm still learning. But most of my coaching clients are in Europe, in Africa. I have, believe it or not, a couple of clients that are in, in China. And that's pretty, pretty incredible that the pandemic that stopped the world forced a lot of us, maybe all of us, to reinvent our own journey on how we survive, how we do business, how we take care of our families. Yeah, that's one of the best things about the pandemic was it pushed the world to be, be more connected. We always, Zoom's been around for a long time before that. We have FaceTime, but not everybody used FaceTime, but it forced us to use the technology we have to continue to connect. Now, of course, you have your preferences for wanting to connect online or in person. We have the options to always be able to do that now that uh, everything is open, events are back on and all that kind of stuff. But people have learned that, hey, this is still a human being on the other side and I don't have to fly halfway around the world to go serve this person. And so congratulations on that and having basically a international coaching business that you've grown over the last few years and through this pandemic. And uh, our, what, do, what should people know about your business and how you help entrepreneurs, business owners? How do you help them to be, to be better people and to also grow their business at the same time? Sure. I think that any business owner or someone that wants to own their own business at one point in time in their lives is going to like what I'm going to say, which is that I help business owners and individuals make, pro make profit. And how do I do that, Leo? I do that by people starting to understand themselves first. I help individuals connect. There's sometimes distance and separation. I'll give you a very quick example. Uh, sometimes leadership is so strategic in their thinking of how they're going to move their business or how they're going to run a company. And I want to say sometimes they forget that there's a, they're so focused on the mission and the task that they forget that there's a disconnect being created with the people. And so if I talk to the leader of a business, they'll 
most of the time will say, everything's okay. We need you for this or that. But overall, this is incredible. This is an incredible company. Then I go to the people and I say, how are things going? There's a disconnect. I'm not being heard. This I'm thinking of quitting. So I help with the connection, right? Of that overlap of where is the truth? Right? Where is the truth between the two sides? Because both sides are incredible. And also, if you are able to hire the right person for your business, that is English or anybody that's in business knows how much money it takes to recruit and hire a good person. So hiring the proper person, number one, and number two, retaining the gold that you have. So as you're recruiting amazing people, you're not bleeding from the back door where all the value in that company is leaving because of a disconnect. So that's a little bit of how I help individuals and also business owners. Yeah, it's such a it's such a needed thing because I, I think most companies think that's normal. That the, mm-hmm. It's normal to have a disconnect because mm-hmm. you're in different roles. You're either a CEO or you're a founder of the business. And this is how it goes. You work for me. You do this. You do that. Your work gets done. Then see you later. See you tomorrow. The thing. And there can be a lot of disconnect. We, we learn every day for me, especially because it's not just about somebody who wants a home. What does that home mean to that person? Is it, does that mean security for you? Does that mean a generational wealth where your kids I just talked to clients of mine that his dream was not necessary for himself. They've been renting a long time, but he wants to buy a home so that their kids could have the home. Their kids could see that you could buy a home, things like that. And up to this point, they've been renting for 25 years and never done it. So he didn't know, but he knew that as time went on, he realizes, oh, I don't want my kids to rent forever. Just like me, that's, that's not good enough. The disconnect back to the disconnect is that unfortunately it's more the norm. And I'm fortunate enough to have learned from the people around me regarding culture. And just like we talked about, if you have a culture of celebrating, right? That's a place that you want to go. Like you go because you were celebrated. You go because people around you were celebrated and be able to recognize you and but also support you if you fall short. Yeah. And so many companies, it's like, it's just a job. We just get it. We see the paycheck. And that's where we have the disconnect of that culture. You have a culture of disconnect instead of culture of a connection. And so if I'm bringing a team together, that's what we will want. We have a consistency of what we share each week. You consistently share and you consistently celebrate. And if you can do that at the very minimum, you could have a really great culture. And you have to, as a leader of the company, you have to do that as well. You have to be part of it. You you share. Maybe you have some things that you're struggling with that you share. When your subordinates see that you're sharing and being vulnerable, they're open to being vulnerable themselves. And that's where the connection can happen. Absolutely. Sharing creates growth, creates awareness. Right. Because um, otherwise they just see you as a separate person. Like why do you course, care? That separation uh, continues. That separation yeah. continues to grow. And both sides do not, both sides, Leo, have a different interpretation of reality because it's the same building, same situation, same everything, but body. Really, if we look at you and I, all of us have a different interpretation of our reality. And it, where then are the overlapping points where you and I can connect? where you and I can work together, where you and I can work together and be loyal to what we're doing together. Yeah. As opposed to, hey, I'm just an employee. We're like, hey, 
I we're connected. We're both that's right. People. We're both human beings. Maybe you have a different role than I am, but we're we have a connection between where hey, I have kids, you have kids. We're both trying to take care of our family. That's at least some, some sort of connection, right? Absolutely. When you have individuals and it might be you, might be us, but when you have a situation in which you're going to work because you have to, because you need the paycheck, but every time you get up, you get a stomach ache. I have known people that get to work, park their car and sit there for 20 minutes, half hour trying to compose their emotions before walking into that environment because they don't like it that much. Yeah. And when you have someone in that environment, then re realistically, how much are they going to produce for themselves? I'm not saying just for the company, but how much are they going to produce for themselves and how much are they going to produce right. for the company? They're going to ride that line of almost disciplinary action. Oh, I want to fire them, but I can't fire them because they're not doing enough to get fired. And it's that a very uncomfortable line of just yeah. doing the minimum. Yeah. And Sometimes same thing on the other for survival. Yeah. Same thing on the other. And I'll, of I'll course. do just, I'll do just enough to keep my job so I can have a paycheck and feed my family just enough. And that's no good for either side. Right. Oh, yes. No, I was talking to someone yesterday, Leo, and she's getting ready for work and her kids see her getting ready for work. And they ask her, what are you doing, mom? She's, and she says it tonality of voice, body language, everything. Oh, got to go to work. Yeah. And one of her sons, she has amazing three, three sons. One of her sons goes, mom, he checked her, right? Mom, what are you doing? You get to go to work. Yeah. And she said it. She goes, that comment from a child changed my whole perspective and my whole attitude about how and who I was going to be at my job. Yeah. This is where it's so big to, to I've in, in the last year or so I've learned to do more journal and yeah. we're not talking about gossip we're talking about you know sure you can get that stuff out of your head but more importantly is talk about what i'm grateful for oh and, fantastic and, yeah and not only that i'm challenged to come up yeah. i can't say i'm grateful for the same thing every day it's got to be different every day that's a challenge my friend it's a huge challenge to go i already did that one so i can't do that one so we're always looking for new things that we're grateful for. and something happens to your spirit something happens to your brain when that happens is that you get to, to work go to do things with excitement because oh my god i'm so grateful some people for example they don't like paying the bills I don't want to pay for utilities, electricity, for car insurance. But then in the, on the flip side, oh my God, I'm so glad I get to pay this bill because, because pay I pay this bill, I get to have electricity. Yes. Because I pay this bill, I get to have clean water. Yes. Because I pay this bill, I can be safe when I'm driving out there and know that I'll be taken care of if something happens. We can so much easy, e easily flip that around and it changes your, your whole entire outlook. Interpretation of reality, my friend. Yeah. Absolutely. And you've obviously worked with a lot of high level business people. What are, do you think are some of the biggest challenges that you're, you personally are working with right now that come to mind that you could share with people and maybe they can relate? A personal challenge that I am not my client, but that I am going through right now. 
Yeah, something that yeah, something yeah, that you're yeah, experiencing. Yeah, no. yeah, Leo, it's a daily challenge. So this is I'm so glad that you said the journaling and and just being grateful. I am grateful, but sometimes again, is that driving force that I have inside of me that I just want to keep going and 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 keep going. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Yeah. And so the biggest challenge that I have is that I need to slow down to Leo. I have two sons. I have a special needs brother, that mom that left me behind. I am responsible for her care. She, I have her with me at home and I need to, so it's a challenge and thank God I have mentors and thank God I have coaches myself in which that is the biggest thing that comes up and that is slow down, share your vision, share the vision, allow people to see where you're going so they can go with you. Yeah. And avoid what you said earlier, right? Avoid what maybe a lot of my brothers and sisters in law enforcement and also in the military um, have lived. And that is that the end, they hit the end of a journey, the end of a chapter, but they have no one to celebrate that journey with. So I, that's my challenge, daily challenge, but it's something that I'm very aware of that I'm trying to stop. So if I walk, I'm not alone. Yeah, yeah. I think what came to mind for me was I obviously work with a lot of other real estate agents across the country. Some are newer agents. Some have been around for 15, 20 years. Some have big businesses. Some have just by themselves and stuff like that. But one of the things that they struggle with as an agent is that they have to market themselves. They have to show up for themselves and they don't want to. I don't look good. I don't want to be social media. I don't want to talk. I don't want to be on video, all that kind of stuff. And what they're doing is they are they're keeping themselves from being sharing themselves so that people can go with and then hire them and do work with them right yes, they're yes. keeping themselves from doing that so i just encourage people out there who are listening and watching that i love what you said i've never heard that before is that share yourself so that you can allow people to have the opportunity to go with you on your journey yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for that. This has been enlightening. I could probably go all day with you with so much experience that you have in your life. I just love every minute of it because you're such a an achiever and it's a person of care and support and high character, which I deeply respect. And But we'll want to definitely want to have you come back again sometime and talk about some other specific things, both in your life and how your practice is going. And as per tradition of our pod, we always ask our guests to share a quote that they would like to share with the world today. And yeah. would you like to share yours and tell us what that means to you? Oh, absolutely. The quote is your present condition. Do not, and I'm going to underline, do not create your future. They are not your future. So in in that quote of your present conditions, not dictating your future, it's something that again, as a child, I had to, Leo, hold on. I had nothing, not even inside me did I have a positive thought about me right? I had nothing. And I had to hold on to the faith. I had to hold on to the belief that someone else in front of me had. I borrowed belief. Does that make sense? Yeah. I borrowed belief because someone was telling me your present conditions do not dictate your future. Got it. Thank you. Hold on to their belief. I got it. I'm strong. Move. Uncomfortable. Unknown. Your present condition, that darkness does not dictate your future. Boom, get out of that darkness and on. So that's why I love that quote. 
Yeah, you could just if you could just remember that from a daily basis, your whole life can completely change because so many people there have whatever degree or level of depression because they think、oh, I'll never be this, I'll never be able to do that. And no、yeah. matter if you're young or old or whatever, we always have the power to, to change our condition or have changes happen to us where you have some intention, and then you know God or people around you just put you in in, in a better place for you. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Thank you so much, Erica. And for people out there who would like to reach out to you, what's the best way? My website is awesome, so go check it out, EricaKellyEnterprises.com, or in Instagram. You know what? Ten is better, or <laughs> Facebook too. We love LinkedIn because people are a little bit more serious about what they're doing and bring brings out, as opposed to the other side of the spectrum, right? Like、yeah. TikToks of the world, they're trying to make the videos shorter and shorter, where to connect it in a deep, what's the word, in a deep and more important way, right? A significant、yeah. way. We need time for this. I love. We've been going on here about an hour now already, and yeah, I just love the connection that we have, and I love all the wisdom that you carry with you from a day to day basis. And I look forward to seeing how the future unfolds for you. Thank you, Leo. All right, everybody, that's it for us. We'll see you next time from the Wisdom Club. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure that you subscribe to receive notifications of all new episodes, and please give us a positive review. And if you want to hang out with us live, check out our YouTube channel where you can continue the conversations with me and our guests.